Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Strangely and Friends, the podcast. My name is Strangely. This is a podcast. And if you're listening to it, that makes you one of the friends. I'm also sitting here with another new friend from Norway. This is Nora. Hello. Fra Oslo? No. No. Wish. Oh. No. Well, I've already made a mistake. I'm on bad footing. You, you're, <laughs> you're now in charge. I, I, you, you are the boss now. Uh, uh, where are you from? I am from a city close to Oslo, but not that close. It's mm-hmm. called Sandefjord. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's two hours down, still on the coast to the left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have some friends who live on... Uh, Skatoi. 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 It's a... Oh my gosh, I'm turning into Kennet. Mm. Mm. (laughs) It's a a little island down sort of that direction from Oslo, just off the coast. Little tiny, tiny ferry. Um, I wish that I could say that I know it, mm. but I did not graduate high school in geography. It's not my strongest suit. Well, um, and to say, oh, it's a little tiny island in Norway, like, there are so many little tiny islands. I feel like, I don't know if I'm wrong about this, but I think Sweden has, like, the world record on tiny islands or oh, something. Yeah. I would assume that it was Norway, mm. because the coastline is so, like, mm-hmm. but I think it's Sweden, which doesn't make a lot of sense in my head. Hmm. Because Norway definitely has more coastline than Sweden. Yeah. 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 Definitely. But I think Sweden has more lakes. Come on, Sweden. (laughs) How do you count an island? I think a mass of land Mm -hmm. surrounded by an adequate (laughs) amount of water. So so you define it by the amount of water around the land? Or is it how big the land is? This feels like a glass half full, half empty question. I think, I'm not sure. I think that, at least in my head, it feels like there should be an adequate. Mm. Like, you can't call, like, some gravel, like, in a puddle on the road, an island. But maybe Sweden is, just so they can, like... (laughs) There's one record that they Mm. have. Yeah. And they really want to keep it. Mm. So they get a bit wacky with the rules, maybe. Maybe that's why Kenneth is all about throwing the sawdust out (laughs) the back of the school to build more land. Have you heard him talk about this? No, what the He's trying... Out of the sawmill, he just throws it all down the side of the hill yeah. to make a new land called Kennet Land. Is that a thing? Uh, Kennet says it is. I trust him. He's my teacher. I... <laughs> I hope he makes it. I hope he manages. To make Kennet Land? Yes. I do too. I, w- I want to apply for citizenship. Once I feel like once you get to a certain age, you just kind of have to start doing stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> like I think making Kenneth long. <laughs> I think Kenneth started a lot younger than many other people do. Yeah. To do things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So Kenneth is my teacher in my bulk, but you're not in my bulk. No. Which is, but what does that word mean? Is that like a Fosun word? No, and I feel Jesus Christ. I feel like I've had to relearn Norwegian since coming here. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what the fuck bulk means. I think it's, like, it's just, like, the regular, like, main course, like, major that you're mm-hmm. doing. But bulk does not translate in my head as anything except letters. Just a, a couple of letters together. Yeah. And I don't know 
if it's an acronym or not. Mm. But I don't think it is. They keep saying FNIF is an acronym, but no one here remembers what it's an acronym for. <laughs> Do you? Fellas, nysgjerrighet, something, something, common curiosity, mm. something weak. That, the explanation you just said is exactly what everybody else says. Where I'm like, <laughs> what does FNIF mean? Uh, so for those of you playing along at home, FNIF is spelled F-N-Y-F. And it is what the school has on the schedule for certain weeks and days where we are allowed to sort of pick our own topic to work on. So it's, I guess, a choose-your-own-adventure folk school learning <laughs> kind of thing. I think it's the week where the, la- the teachers just get kind of lazy. Mm. And they give us responsibility as a way to, <laughs> to kind of chill for a week straight. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, which I I don't mind. It's a good dynamic. Everyone gets to do their own shit. (laughs) So what bulk are you in? I am in the self-sufficiency bulk. Which is called? Schulberging. Schulberging. Schulberging, which... I don't know. It's, It's a good word, I think. So can you explain... Schulberging for someone listening in the States because when people a lot of people in the United States talk about self-sufficiency I think they either picture sort of a farmer Who grows all their own food or maybe someone who lives off the grid and Mm -hmm. like You know Writes screeds against Walmart and builds bombs (laughs) out of fertilizers (laughs) sort of a uh, what was that guy's name? Ted Kaczynski? I feel bad, I can't remember. Ted, Kaczy- Ted Kaczynski, yeah, yes. thank you. Oh yes. my gosh. Uh, yeah, but I don't think that's what, that's not, I don't get Ted Kaczynski vibes from your teacher Bjorn. No, I think he's a bit more live, laugh, love than Ted Kaczynski was, hopefully. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I think that it's interesting because I, I already studied agriculture mm-hmm. for me. Um, the idea of self-sufficiency is kind of... It started out with that. Mm. It started with the idea of homesteading, off-grid life, just kind of like... It was very base level with food mm-hmm. um, and being self-sufficient concerning food. Um, so I studied organic agriculture for a few years. Um, and then coming here um, was very interesting because self-sufficiency in the context of the school is obviously not just it's not just food it's everything else that life has to offer Mm -hmm. you know it's clothes it's tools it's tiny things that you don't think about but it's all part of a big production line and there's so many parts that like oh man shit it's um it's nice here because they try to give you a taste of everything. Mm-hmm. We make soap, we carve a lot of our own tools, or mm-hmm. at least that's trying to get us to do stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, tanning, making leather, making... Again, it's a lot of just like basic necessities that suddenly don't seem so basic once you realize all the work that is behind them once it becomes manual and not just something that you can buy. They they do and they 
don't they, they do on the one hand seem more basic they seem less basic once you have to do them and all the steps. Yeah. But then they also, in some ways, seem more basic. Like, I was talking about this while we were picking potatoes. Mm. Sorry, plucking. Plucking <laughs> potatoes. This is one of my... So I just, like, learn all these lovely, weird things in Norwegian. Mm. And one of the ones that I love is that potatoes are classed with berries in terms of how you harvest them. So, in, in English, we would say, like, plucking berries or picking berries. Yeah. But we would say dig potatoes. Yeah. Oh my god. But in Norway, oh, you pluck potatoes, you, you also pluck jordbar or svartbar or blåbar, allabar, chok. I really haven't thought about that. Mm. I feel like there's a lot of stuff that I'm realizing about language being surrounded by like fucking like 30 people who are learning the mm-hmm. language it gives a very strange perspective and learning from all different directions like yeah. my my roommate Elvon mm-hmm. is from France yeah. and so his conceptualization of how a sentence should be put together and sort of how to build something out of language is so different than mm-hmm. mine yeah. is different than yours is different than like there's a couple Germans here and then yeah. whatever the heck Oliver is doing inside his brain that man has a Duolingo streak over 400. Wow. He, I, it scares me a little. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think on one hand it's really, I think it's a good platform to mm. be learning Norwegian mm. just because of how everyone's doing it, first of all. Mm. There's Norwegians involved, mm. but also in the sense that also not in the sense that they're also the fact that it is so international and especially with other Scandinavians with the Danes um, mm-hmm. we're lucky enough to not have any Swedes but it's um, I've, I've heard a lot of people complain a bit um, about it being rather confu- rather confusing at times mm. and I think it's gonna be fun to see if people end a year actually speaking Norwegian or just they sp- they'll all speak <laughs> Fusen. Yeah, Fusen. Just Fusen speak. Mm-hmm. That, that thing, I don't know if this is something that you're aware of being a native Norwegian speaker, but Kenneth and Thomas, are the, they're the most pronounced, but a lot of the teachers here do this, where yeah. they will be speaking and they will realize that they have said everything that needs to be said Hmm. and their voice will just fade out and then they'll make a noise yeah so kenneth's is hmm Hmm. and thomas's is it's like thomas whispers the last word and then draws it back into his mouth this is a thing and Hmm. this is i know of this Mm -hmm. also because i have spent a lot of time outside of scandinavia and with people who are coming to Scandinavia, and it's something that people pick up on. It's a weird, like, linguistic thing, and a lot of Norwegians have it to some degree, whether mm-hmm. it's, like, it's, the drawing in the breath yep. is really common, I think, for a lot of people. It's, um, it's like, a cultural, like, punctuation, I think, just, like, little, the dot, but vocally. Hmm. But do you have like do you have that in America? Do you find that like people have like an equivalent of this like 
no. thing. No? What do you do then? How do you know the sentence is over? <laughs> I think people just end a thought with a lot of finality. Just straight, straight. Yep. Straight up. Gunshot. I wouldn't necessarily say gunshot. No, maybe not. <laughs> but still, you know? But, but yeah, just like a... like a. I think I like our way better. Mm. It's a bit more gentle. I think we can... Yeah. yeah. And we can both agree that the dumbest way is the way people talk in, in like England and Scotland. Where they will, they will actually say out loud the, the punctuation mark. What? Have you, have you never heard this? No. They'll be like... No. no, like my friends in Scotland will be like, no, I, I absolutely heard you the first time and I just want you to know I am angry, full stop. Full stop. Full stop is another way of saying period. And people will end a sentence, they'll be like, I am angry, full stop. <laughs> I feel like that's unnecessary. I feel like, I don't know if it's just Norwegian being a very short, sweet, and simple language, but mm. that seems unnecessary. <laughs> it's very unnecessary. <laughs> Full stop. Full stop. If, if anything, I feel like Norwegian tends to go the other direction, where s someone who is very hungry will be like, yeah, yeah, lit. Yeah, Sultan. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like I'm a little yeah. hungry. We're a bit afraid of um, confrontation, I think, in that sense, any kind of like... We have something called Janteloven, Enteloven. Janteloven. Jantel, guess what's going? I'm pulling out my little notebook right now to write <laughs> that down. How do you? Fordonstavedet. How how do you spell that? Fuck, I'm so bad at spelling. J. Uh huh. A. Mm hmm. N. Mm hmm. T. Mm hmm. E. Mm hmm. L. L. O. O. V. V. E. E. N. N. Janteloven. Janteloven. And what does that mean? It means. Sit down and shut the fuck up, basically. <laughs> sit, sit down and, and silence yourself? It means, it's a, it's a weird thing that became, like, surprisingly, like, culturally ingrained, I think. Mm -hmm. Not on purpose, but it's this belief, this um, concept that you're not better than anyone. You're not worth more. Mm. You're not worthy of really, like being a bother you're not like supposed to exist outside of like these weird boundaries that we put on ourselves mm -hmm. and it's created a weird like social insecurity i think where which is unfortunate because it, it obviously frustration you know anger stuff like it still pops up Mm -hmm. But instead of actually letting go and kind of talking about it or confronting people, we just kind of passive aggressively sit there and just like, you know, like someone will like, you'll imagine if someone broke your favorite fucking cup, mm. like just smashed it to the floor, like did not see, did not think, just straight up like boom. Someone from America, maybe they'll be a bit more like, like, oh, like you can tell. Yeah, dude, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah. In Norway, it's like, Degubra. Degubra. That's okay. That's okay. And it, it's not. It's not okay. That was my fucking favorite cup. But because it's just kind of like... Because we're a bit afraid of dealing with emotions and being like... Upfront in that sense, it's 
Chris is where like passive aggressive tension where you kind of lower yourself mm-hmm. to make others comfortable. And I don't think that's great. I don't think that's a great way to go about it, honestly. But do you, do you think that that might all um, come back to haunt Norway at some point? Like the whole country might just start purging. Oh, I think he's already haunting Austria. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think um, I don't know. I think it's manifesting in a lot of ways, tiny ones and big ones. Like but what? I think. Oh, that's interesting, actually, now that I'm reflecting on it. I think culturally, we are very... We are a country that give a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes more so at our own expense. Um, it's a bit... There's a lot of different ways we do this, but... It's, um, I don't know, it's like, that's, oh, fuck, there's so many things in my head. Mm-hmm. There's so many things in my head. I don't know how to pinpoint one exactly. It's uh, like the whole image of Norway and how it works, politics, food systems, everything like that. We export a lot of things mm-hmm. um, that we... <laughs> Yeah, språk fyrarna. I'm having language issues. <laughs> Aren't we all right now? <laughs> How to translate something that is almost a concept just into straight English? Mm. It's not easy. <laughs> I'm struggling. Um, hmm. No, I'm not just struggling. It's empty vanished it's it sounds what it seems like you're describing yeah is this idea that that thing that it does to an individual person to sort of tamp themselves down and Mm. not like yeah to make other people feel comfortable is like happening nationally or your perception is that it's happening nationally as well that like norway is sitting down and shutting up and not engaging? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Thanks. Yeah. It's, um, I think that on a global scale, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that we kind of just deal with. Um, because of the fact that, obviously, when something is ingrained in the individual, mm-hmm. it eventually is ingrained in the culture, because the culture mm-hmm. is made up of individuals. And politically, I think there's a lot of things that we, like, we're not part of the EU, for example, mm-hmm. but we're part of the EU. And this yeah. isn't something that we really wanted to do, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like, it makes everything else kind of flow easier, you know, mm-hmm. like trade, stuff like that, everything. Um, and it's obviously the stuff like that, it makes a difference. It makes a big difference in how the country is run, who is running it, how it's being just like operated in general. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't know. I uh, I think that there can be room for more confrontation, more aggressiveness, more being upfront about our feelings as a whole, as a nation, as individuals, just in general, honestly. Yeah. I think not being completely honest with how something makes us feel is eventually going to make it bubble up and explode. And I don't want to see that on a nationwide level. No, obviously. I, I don't think anyone <laughs> does. Yeah. So yeah, that's some thoughts on that. I think. So. Why are you at Fosen and not running a political party? Because politics. <laughs> <laughs> that's maybe a, a kind of a dumb question, but I, I guess just sort of to kind of. Yeah. You are you you're. It seems that you're thinking about the world and how your nation interacts with the world, right? Yes. And yet you're now coming to this school to do something hyper-local and very focused on like a very small experience in some ways. Because I don't think humans are made to think about the world Mm. objectively. I think that it's... I think that I spent a lot of time, I spent a lot of hours of my life thinking about the world, thinking about Norway in the context of the world instead mm-hmm. of just as Norway and what is happening inside it. Mm. And that makes you feel small. That makes you feel existential. That makes you feel hopeless. That makes you feel like you're not actually making a change because on a large scale it's really hard to and that's why I'm here because locally you can do so much and you're seen and your change is noticed and you can inspire and be inspired and it is healthier I think for the mind to focus on the smaller things the simpler things not so much getting stuck on what Everything else is going on and happening, and even especially when it's not, when it's not. Obviously, things that are happening in the world, on a global scale, they do affect us. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's, um, I think it creates like a certain kind of cognitive dissonance when mm. it's when you're walking around really worried and really thinking about stuff that you can't even feel Mm. the effects of, like, in the moment. Yeah, it's sort of like... I know that in my hometown, Mm. um, people will get very... You know, certain people will get very excited to raise funds or something for an earthquake or a disaster somewhere else in the world. Mm. Because you see it on social media, it's very compelling, whatever. And it's like there are people starving, living, you know, like like homeless people or something, starving right here in our own town. Yeah. It's and I, I'm not I'm not saying that you shouldn't help something far away, but I think that's something I've been thinking about a lot here while I've been here at Fosin is that there are things in anywhere that people are, there are people who need help mm. that are right right next to you. Yeah. They're part of your community. Yeah. And I I agree with you 100% that 
I think I think biologically we're not capable of really coming to grips with the idea of there being a massive problem on the other side of the planet. Yeah. And it's it's that that's not me putting my head in the sand or thinking that it's impossible to solve global scale problems, but I, I think a lot of it it sort of trickles out from the local. Yeah. The 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 two people. You know, it's like if, if everybody who comes to Fosin is is kind to each other and supportive of each other and then they all go back to wherever they came from. Yeah. There's at least a better chance that that kindness and supportiveness then translates out into wherever they end up going. Yeah. And sort of this like trickle down effect in much the same way that like if you're shitty to someone, they might go home and be shitty to someone else. And yeah. like, it's just people being shitty. Mm. And I think that was why earlier we sort of got sidetracked talking about plucking <laughs> as my brain often will. Um, but that's why I said that it's in some ways it's, it's simpler also to like mm. do it the hard way by hand. Yeah. Because while I'm stacking wood or plucking potatoes or tanning a hide or chopping down a tree, I'm really having to have conversation and interaction with the person who is right there in front of me. Yeah, exactly. Kama and I had some very deep conversations using very, my very limited Norwegian vocabulary. <laughs> and Kama's Danish. <laughs> uh, to talk about things while we were chopping down a tree. And there was a lot of stop to rest and catch yeah. your breath and think about how you're going to cut next. Mm. In, a, in a way that... I think would often be lost in the noise if I was just, you know, talking to someone on the phone while I was doing that or whatever, you know, there's something very, um, I don't, I, I can feel something very deep in my, you know, my lizard brain or whatever in yeah. my heart, if you want to be poetic about it, yeah. when I'm doing these tasks with the person next to me, yeah. knowing that we're going to sail in a boat made from the tree we cut down, or we're going to eat the potatoes that we plucked, or we're going to fry up the mushrooms that we've gathered. Like, it becomes very immediate, and so mm. my feelings about the person that I'm doing it with are very immediate as well, yeah. in a way that, you know, we could all go to the grocery store together and buy a bunch of things and cook a meal, but mm. I don't think it would have the same... I, well, even if we cooked the meal together, yeah. that's, again, that same kind of immediacy, yeah. but... You know, if I cooked a big meal and had some people come over and eat it mm. after I'd cooked it, yeah. maybe that is a better metaphor. Yeah. Speaking of food, I've been asking people on the podcast. <laughs> okay, we got really deep for a second. Let's come back down. Good. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oui? uh, what has been your favorite food that we've eaten here? Oh, my God. Oh, shit, I think maybe. Oh, but it's so bittersweet because the food here makes my tummy fucking kill itself. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No matter what it is, no matter mm. how good it is, there's something that's just like, and it's hard to enjoy it fully knowing that it'll just hurt. But I think probably the rice creme. The rice creme? The rice creme. Oh, the rice, the rice pudding? No, it's not oh. a pudding. But the, 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 wait, what are you talking about? It is rice cream. Rice cream. The rice cream. Yes. But it's like the, the stuff that we have for pudding with the jam on top, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's not pudding. 
It's not pudding at all. It's cream. You take heavy cream, you okay. whip it up, and then this is like this is a whole thing. It's a whole tradition. Because mm-hmm. um, obviously during Christmas and when it gets colder, you make rice porridge. Okay. Which doesn't make sense, honestly, because it's rice and it, but it's a very like Norwegian tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you make rice porridge, everyone eats a lot, but never enough to finish the whole, whole like pot. Uh-huh. Or rice porridge. So what, what you do with it is that you make it into dessert. And <laughs> <laughs> and you take all of this leftover rice uh, porridge. Uh-huh. And you mix it together with whipped cream and vanilla sugar or vanilla extract. And maybe some other shit if you're feeling fancy. I'm usually not. I like it. I like to keep it clean and simple. Mm-hmm. And it's heaven. It's heaven. It's so good. <laughs> I could eat... I could eat so much of it. <laughs> um, and oftentimes... This is something that we... It dep- it's, it's really common for New Year's, because that mm-hmm. when you have all of those right, like leftover. leftover. Yeah. And... Oh, God. It's running out. And... Sometimes... Um, we have an almond mm-hmm. bolt in this one singular almond. I don't know if you've heard of this tradition, but we take this one almond and we hide it in someone's bowl, mm-hmm. usually the kids. But if you're, if you're like good, if you're hardcore, if you're hardcore, you will just toss it in the pot in the fucking thing uh-huh. with the rest of it, so that it's actually up to chance, and not just like yeah. your five year old cousin who will get the yeah. the pig. No, that would that's that's the real way. Yeah. Yeah. And if you are so lucky as to get this, get this almond uh-huh. and not choke on it and die mm-hmm. because you didn't realize there was an almond in your mm-hmm. spoon. You will get a marzipan. <gasps> I love marzipan. <laughs> yes. And it will either make or break the whole family vacation, <laughs> depending on who gets it and how appreciative they are. <laughs> There's yeah. a friend of mine who I think listens to this podcast sometimes. Yep. And uh, a friend of ours brought her a marzipan pig back from... Uh, what is the name of the city? It's northern Germany where they make all the marzipan. I've been there. I can't remember the name of it right now. <laughs> there's like a there's like a marzipan museum. What? The marzipan city of marzipan. The one. Yeah. I feel like maybe it's called something with marzipan. It should it should be called Marzipanstead, and that would be the end of it. But I the, wouldn't even be surprised. Can we just say it's that? Marzipanstead. There. So let it be written. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, last, last question for you. Yeah. I've been asking everybody, what is your favorite Norwegian word? Oh. Oh. Oh, the thing is, I fucking love, I love, I love linguistics, I love etymology. Mm-hmm. I think that, I really like Schulskap. Schulskap. Yes. Because it showcased how fucking stupid Christian is. Okay, what? How do you spell that? Kor. Kor. Yeah. Yeah. Ö. Ö. L. L. E. E. S. S. Kor. Kor. A. A. P. P. 
Kjølskap. Kjølskap. You know what it means? What does it mean? It means fridge. Mm-hmm. But very directly, mm-hmm. it translates to cold shelf. Which is so stupid. Go home, Norway, you're drunk. <laughs> cold shelf. The cold shelf. Cold shelf, the cold shelf. Kjølskap. This is the... I was trying to explain, like, the strange... <laughs> the strange, like... Uh, like partially badass Vikings, partially strange people who are super literal about things, like yeah. combination of Norway. And finally, I, t- I explained to a friend that the the fancy train yeah. from Oslo to the Oslo airport is called Flytoge. Yeah. The fly, the fly train. Yeah. 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 Flytoge. Why would you make it any harder? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, I think I think I will close this episode. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to this week's episode of Strangely and Friends, the podcast. As always, you can send questions or comments to me via email, strangely at tuta.io, or you can leave a comment on the Patreon underneath the episode or on my website, strangelyandfriends.com. As always, this is supported by my fantastic patrons over at patreon.com slash strangely. I would not be able to be here at Fosin without you folks. You are literally helping me buy extra tubes of caviar to put on my lunch packs every uh, day. So thank you so much for that. And Nora, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You are a lovely guest. Thank Thank you you for having me. You managed to uh, get through an entire 30-minute conversation with me without having to open a quick lunch. (laughs) What the fuck? I I didn't didn't realize there was an option for that.